Well, hello and welcome everyone to this week's edition of a Plain Accounts podcast where every week we get together and discuss the upcoming gospel lection. We are entering the sixth Sunday of Easter in this Easter tide. Um, if you haven't already, leave us some feedback wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us to get um, our resource to people who it might matter to. Uh, give us a, a like on Facebook, uh, Instagram, follow us on on all of your social media platforms um, as we continue to try to be the resource to equip preachers in the task of bringing the word to their people. Uh, this week, we're joined by the co-creator, co the president officiant of a plain account, Danny Quanstrom. <laughs> <laughs> Alicia is, is on, on uh, a work assignment this week, and so she's um, gets the week off and and danny offered to come and join us and danny man it feels like old times i know man back. it's crazy every yeah. once in a while i get these memories on facebook when we uh <laughs> when like when we record them and do it live there and yeah and it's like man it's been a long time years like i saw one yeah. f- like what five years ago we started yeah. this thing yeah absolutely oh, at my least word. it's wonderful it's great yeah. i i'm so grateful that you and alicia keep it going and uh i'm grateful for the reach that that it has i don't know that we appreciate just how far these conversations actually do reach mm. um and how frequently i see messages on the website or uh on facebook about the co- about the not just the commentaries but also the podcast so oh that's uh, that's wonderful to hear it's great yeah, yeah for sure well tell us a little bit about the context of what you're journeying through with your people in this easter Easter season before we read our text today. Yeah. So, um, I'm actually, uh, taking my church through first John. Okay. Um, the, uh, probably the least disputed Johannine epistle. And, uh, so we're going through first John and we're doing a series, uh, through the lectionary. It's not, we're not doing it verse by verse. We're following the lectionary's guide, but, um, I, I did not know this. I didn't know much about first John. It's John Wesley's favorite. It was John Wesley's oh. favorite book in the New Testament. Wow. And as you dive into it, it kind of makes sense. Um, but uh, he called uh, he called First John a compendium of genuine Christianity. Hmm. And so we're doing a series called Genuine Christianity and looking at what it means to be Christ-like according to uh, the epistle, if it can be, even be called an epistle of First John. Wow. Um, and so that's been really fun. It's been life-giving. Um, it's been challenging as... I don't, I've, I'm not, uh, I'm not by any stretch of the imagination, a scholar on first John. Mm. So it's been good for me too. Wow. That's, that's incredible. I'll have to go, go online and listen to some of your sermons as you walk through that. Well, how about uh, you? What? Yeah. So we've just been asking, what does it look like if the resurrection actually happened? Mm. Um, Imagine. Yeah. So imagine, imagine what the church would look like if it took seriously um, the, the resurrection. And, oh, and so as, as we reflect on Jesus talking about himself as the good shepherd and the sheep pen, you know, three weeks ago, last week, we talked about the vine and the branches. And, and so like, what does, what does a resurrection community look like if they really believed that mm. Jesus rose from the dead? Yeah. Um, and the implications have just been really resonating with my heart about, oh, wonderful. you know, the, the, the deeply rooted um, reality of the resurrection for the, the body of Christ. Yeah. Um, 
and what that means for what we're supposed to reflect in, in yeah. the world. And so it's been, it's been really, really good. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, today Wonderful. we're looking at John chapter 15 verses nine through 17, uh, a, a pretty well-known um, passage of scripture in John's gospel. Let me, let me read that for us today as we, as we continue this conversation. As the father has loved me, so I have loved you abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that you, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends. If you do what I command you, I do not call you servants any longer because the servant does not have, (laughs) the servant does not know what the master is doing, but I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last so that the father will give you whatever you ask him in my name. I am giving you these commands so that you may love one another. The written word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So those who had been listening well in this season will see that this has been connected to the prior gospel lections of the good shepherd being one flock with one shepherd abiding in the life of Christ. Yeah the vine and the branches abiding in the vine being the branches that are receiving their nourishment from the life of Christ, shaping their growth, their pursuit of building one another up. And this is kind of the crescendo of that, that this abiding in Christ produces this kind of, of, of fruit. Yeah. And so like, as, as I'm reading through this, I get this sense that like a a couple of things, one, this isn't a a secret for friends of Christ. The gospel is not a secret sharing all this divine knowledge from God to the disciples, to the rest of the body. And, and so then we turn and not keep that love a secret either. We don't keep that to ourselves, but it's, it's just radical generosity. Yeah. And I, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I want to, I want to get to, I want to get to that um, because I think there's something really important about the openness Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. about that openness. I think literarily it's important to recognize that this is not a break Mm -hmm. in the, in the reading, like the lectionary broke it up versus one through eight, 15, one through eight last Sunday. Now it's nine through 17, but it's, this is still the vine, right? story um remind your people that this is a continuation and that's what it says at the end i appointed you to go and bear fruit Mm -hmm. fruit that will last and so this is a continuation of the vine metaphor of jesus being the true vine and abiding and and you mentioned that that abiding and as i read through the johannine uh story especially these these I am sayings. Uh, I mean, it's 
and pairing it with first John, I, I, I encourage you to really go over to first John and, and compare it. This abiding is such a big deal. Hmm. And first John four abide shows up like over a dozen times in one chapter. Wow. It's wow. all about this dwelling with Christ, this dwelling in Christ. Mm-hmm. That's what it's about. It's about abiding. And so it could be fun to do a word study on abide mm-hmm. on, on that dwelling yeah. uh, in Christ. Um, because I mean, you will abide in my love just as I abide in my father's love. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think one of the things that we recognize here is that our relationship to Christ is to be as Christ's is to the father. Mm. And that's a big theological statement there. Right. Right. Um, I mean, that's theosis, right? Mm-hmm. Like that is participation in the divine being, right? Not that we become divine, but that we participate in Christ's divinity because God has participated in our humanity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Therefore we can abide in Christ's love because he, uh, he abided with us, right? Abided, ab- abode. What's aboded, the past? Aboded. Aboded. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> No, I think you bring up something that's deeply enmeshed in that metaphor, though, that like when Christ is talking about branches, there is no like obviously branches are different from the vine. The vine is the main source of life. The The vine is right. rooted in you know the soil. And one yeah. could even take that far and say, you know, the 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 vine is the outpouring, the the rootedness of the yeah. life of God, right? Right. Right. And the branches grow off of that. So the branches aren't the vine, but they're abiding with and are one with the vine. And, and so that that oneness will continue to to really speak towards um, yeah. what, the, what that abiding in love looks like, how right. it's supposed to function. And when when you're not abiding in love, that's when the branches cease to give you know life or bear fruit they shrivel up and are and are and are pruned away yeah um and so i think that metaphor continues to speak towards what you're what you're talking about there yeah well yeah and i mean so it's this abiding in this love Mm -hmm. this is a johannine a strong johannine concept yeah both here and in first john these two beloved over and over again abide over and over again yeah and so the relationship between abiding and love mm-hmm. um, seems to be one that's incredibly important. Yeah. Um, and as, and there's a, I've been reflecting on, uh, I don't know exactly where this came from, but one of the, there's an emphasis that I've read about how the primary break uh, between God and humanity was not sin, like morally understood but was about presence Mm. that the disruption was a, was a presence that we were no longer in the presence of God. Uh. And that the great problem of sin is a lack of proximity and unity Mm. with divinity, Mm -hmm. not a moral code, if you will. Yeah. It's more about dwelling or or, or indwelling with God. And Mm -hmm. that seems to be the, the remedy here is like, Yes, that has been broken. That presence has been severed. You have lost the divine presence. But, be- but guess what? Because of Christ, that divine presence is, is, is mended. Yeah. yeah. Abide. It, this, is a, this is about belonging. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I think of 
I mean, belonging, abiding is about belonging, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and Brene Brown writes about belonging um, and she writes about love. And she, she has a great quote that says, those who, those who have a strong sense of love and belonging mm-hmm. are those who believe they're worthy of love and belonging. Wow. That's it. Wow. The people who have a strong sense of love and belonging are the people who believe they're worthy of love and belonging. Mm-hmm. And when I read John 15, I see love and belonging. Yeah. And this is what abiding is. Abiding That's is belonging so to the divine presence, to the That's divine so uh, essence. It's yeah. participating in God. And so one of the things that I hope that this passage passage can do is to remind people that mm-hmm. Christ has said, you belong with me. Mm-hmm. I am the vine. You are the branch. You, mm-hmm. you, you belong with me. Yeah. That is where you belong. Right. And you are my beloved. Mm. abide in my love, belong to my love. So if Christ sees his people as worthy of love and belonging, Mm -hmm. well, then who are we to say we're not? Right. Well, I think that leads so, so well into where the rub might be for a lot of people with this passage, Um, especially one who may have grown up in, like I did in deeply legalistic, you know, fundamentalist, um, uh, yes. community, yes. Th- then, you know, this abiding, this love, this, this language of, of belonging and acceptance is incredible. But then we get to what feels like conditional, like mm-hmm. if you keep my commandments. So like, I think that needs to be flushed out too. So like, what does it mean for Christ to say, uh, if you keep my commandments, you are my friends. If you do what I command you, you know, so like there's that if you are this, if you do this. And so like how, how, especially for those who have been deeply traumatized and hurt yeah. by the church, you know, overemphasizing or weaponizing commands, you know, how, how are we supposed to like tie that to this incredible picture of, of acceptance, belonging and, and love? Well, I mean, what is the commandment? The, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. So mm-hmm. what is the commandment? The commandment yeah. is not don't drink, smoke, chew, or go with girls who do. Right. <laughs> That's not the commandment that Jesus offers. We have made laws that Christ did not. Right. Right. Christ's commandment was rather simple. I mean, beautiful, profound, deep, difficult. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But this is the commandment. Love one another in the in the way that I have loved you. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the ways I think our love and belonging is we are aware of our own worthiness for love and belonging is by reminding other people that they're worthy of love and belonging. Like when we remind others that they are worthy of love and belonging, that we love them in the way Christ loved us, that somehow there's some reciprocity there where we start to realize it in ourselves when we, when we initiate it in others. Mm-hmm. Um, like, yeah, there's just something about when you are doing that for the sake of others, that there's a reminder of your own purpose of your own right. uh, worth. That's so good. And so Jesus then saying, 
you know, you are my friends and making that connection to him laying down his own life for mm-hmm. the disciples. Yeah. He is the fulfillment of that yeah. commandment of God. Christ is abiding in, in God and, and exemplifies that love by laying down his life. That's self-sacrificial love abiding in that, that relationship. Right. Which then permits us to do it. Mm-hmm. We then, we now have permission because we know that death does not win. Right. Like do we believe in the resurrection? Well, if, mm-hmm. if we do, then we can share with Christ in a sacrificial love. Right. Which I think it, it might do well. You know, I, I definitely plan on reminding my people again, that commands while they may be arbitrary laws in our society, arbitrary laws from governors, from politicians, like we understand commands in such an arbitrary, impersonal lack of relational ways yeah and christ god in christ never gives a command that isn't for humanity's best like all of god's commands has humanity's best interest at heart they're yes. never arbitrary they're never outside relationship they, they are they are they are not conditions on on god loving humanity god will love humanity no matter what but this they're invitations to participate deeper in the life of God. Yeah. Yeah. And that emphasis on relationship is huge. Mm -hmm. I mean, and that's what we see. You are my friends. I do not call you servants. Mm -hmm. The servant doesn't know what the master is doing. I have called you friends uh, because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my father. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, it's gotta be about that relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And now Ben, when we first, when we first hopped on, you were talking uh, you you were mentioning something about uh, it made me think of like uh, conspiratorial thinking. Uh, do you mm. remember what you said right at the beginning um, about like the openness? Oh of, yeah, that this isn't a secret. Like right. this this good news, this love, this life of God. Jesus isn't hiding it from mm-hmm. his disciples. He's mm-hmm. sharing it generously. Yeah. So I wanted to comment on that a little bit. Um, I'm taking a class on the Heidelberg Catechism. Oh, wow. <laughs> because I'm a student at Calvin Seminary. Mm-hmm. Uh, I knew nothing about the Heidelberg Catechism, and I've been very critical of it this semester um, because I'm Wesley and it's Reformed, all that. Um, but one of the last questions uh, says, what does the second petition mean? The second petition of the Lord of the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come is the second petition, according to the Heidelberg Catechism, means rule by your word and spirit in such a way that more and more we submit to you, preserve and grow, preserve your church and make it grow, destroy the devil's work, destroy every force which revolts against you and every conspiracy against your holy word. Do this until your kingdom fully comes when you will be all in all, which sounds kind of post-millennial. Yeah, it does. Um, It's very like, that sounds like a very hope-filled post-millennial amillennial mm-hmm. uh idea yeah um but that that line every conspiracy against your holy word this your kingdom come means destroy every conspiracy against your holy word and i wow. i and i appreciated that because i think in more like you've like you said in more fundamentalist circles not limited to that but that's maybe the exposure that i have um is that there is kind of a bent towards conspiracy. Uh, And especially in like a rapture theology, there's a secret knowledge only a few people know about um, like, and I I mean, I would argue that's 
heretical and Gnostic, you know, that's heresy. Mm -hmm. Like that's Gnosticism of another name. Um, But like conspiracy is something that operates in the dark. Conspiracy Mm -hmm. is something that operates when people don't know about it. Um, And, and I see in these verses, anti-conspiracy like i have made known to you everything that i have heard from my father everything yeah what does christ withhold from his disciples (laughs) nothing absolutely nothing right and 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 he takes away the power dynamic yeah i no longer call you servants you are not beneath me how is it how is it i mean this is kenosis this is philippians 2 this is self-emptying how is it that john begins his gospel by saying in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god everything came into being through the word christ the word is creator and sustainer of all that is Mm. and this creator says i no longer call you servants you are no longer beneath me yeah no, we're, we're, we're parallel. Wow. We are at work together. I call you friends. Yeah. And like, I don't know that we appreciate how dynamic and radical that is. No. Um, and I'm, I'm reading a church called Tove by Scott McKnight, which I think should be required reading for every pastor uh, because every pastor that reads it should be asking themselves if they are prone to abusive uh practices yeah uh like preferring the institution over preferring people Mm. um like keeping things in secret um etc and and it's a it's a damning text it's not a good read but it's an important read Mm. um but he talks about churches that are prone towards abusive situations and abusive systems and at the top of the list is secrecy yeah at the top of the list are NDAs. There's so many mm. churches that have that have people sign NDAs. Man, I know I know of churches in the Church of the Nazarene where we pastor, where the church board had to sign an NDA while doing a pastoral review. Um, what what is done in secret? Yeah, I mean, if Christ revealed everything, mm-hmm. he has heard from the Father, right? And has taken away that power dynamic. Another thing that uh, in a church called Tovi talks about toxic cultures or Tove cultures. Tove is the Hebrew word for good. What makes things toxic or good? One of the things he talks about is the power dynamic. Mm-hmm. Toxic cultures have a very clearly defined power differential. Mm. The pastor is in power. The pastor has extreme authority. Right. And often operates with a fear-based uh, with fear-based leadership mm-hmm. in a Tove culture, a, a culture of goodness, that power differential is, is diminished. Yeah. And that's what we see Christ doing with his disciples. He's creating a culture of goodness for, for his followers. Yeah. I no wow. longer call you servants. I'm not going to be better than you. I'm not mm-hmm. going to see myself as more important than you. I'm not right. going to see myself as more vital than you. Yeah. I call you friends mm-hmm. and nothing is hidden and nothing wow. is, nothing is done in secret. And I think one of the questions, maybe this is not a preaching point, but maybe it's more about an organizational question for pastors that might be listening is, are we creating cultures of tove mm-hmm. or toxicity? 
right? Because how the cultures we create is the context in which our sermons will be heard. For sure. And, and it will create, and it will bear fruit. <laughs> yes, exactly. Fruit yeah. that will last. Mm-hmm. And, and so like, if we, if we are creating toxic power uh, cultures and then <laughs> preach into this, this message of abiding and love and acceptance and belonging, then it will shape the definition of love, no matter how much we yes. try, you know, yes. that toxic culture will shape the fruit we bear in the love that we well, claim. Exactly. Just like the, the connection to the vine, if there's a, if there's a severed connection or if there's a bad branch, mm-hmm. that branch is not going to bear good fruit, right? Yeah. That, that branch is, is not going to bear good fruit and it will be evident mm-hmm. by the fruit that is born. Right. And, and so, focusing on the culture that's being created will, I mean, that will, that will have a lasting effect. Yeah. I think a good contrast that I've been really working with lately is this language of laying that your life down for your, your friends, the, the, how we define power and authority has a direct implication to how we define love and abiding Mm. and belonging. Yeah. Yeah. So like the, the one who is, who is God in flesh chose to operate in power and authority through laying himself down rather than taking up more power and more authority. And that has profound implications for institutions, for individuals, for, for congregations. Are we trying to uh, bring up more power, take up more power rather than laying and sharing our power down for the sake of God and neighbor. Yep. Um, <clears throat> I think the church is really good at asking others to lay themselves down, to surrender all to, you know, to release all power over their lives. But the church itself has not embodied that well. Fair. Yeah. Has not embodied that well. And so we can't turn and ask people to do what we are not reflecting well by the way that we organize ourselves in structures of power and authority. Um, And so so I I think in my sermon, I'm going to be trying to highlight a little bit of that where it's like, okay, Jesus says, this is what it looks like to love. The greatest love is this one who lays down their life for their friends. So if we're going to make a grade of that, then so like, that's the greatest love, then we people who are willing to do that should also be willing to wear masks for each other people who are willing to lay down your life for another person should also be willing to be inconvenienced for someone else. People who are willing to lay their lives down for other people should then stand up for against injustice. People who are being oppressed by the systems around us. If that is the greatest form of love, then all of these other things put are put into perspective. Like, Oh my gosh, well, that's the greatest source of love. How am I loving through this? Yeah. Yeah. Am I, am I holding on to the power and authority that even our society gives us through rights? Or am I looking at how much power I can share and lay down with my neighbor in the name of God? Yeah. So, you know, as you're talking that, and I'm, as I'm rereading 12 and 17, it seems that then the greatest commit or the, not the greatest commandment, but when that this, when Jesus says, this is my commandment. Yes, it is to love. But it's a very specific love. Mm. Um, and I haven't yeah. looked at the Greek. Greek. I'm guessing this is agape here. Mm. Um, but like that's a specific kind of love mm-hmm. 
And then at verse 17, he says, I'm giving you these commands so that in order that you may love one another. Yes. yes. So the command that 17 is interesting because it says, I'm giving you these commands in order that you might love one another. Mm -hmm. So the command leads to love. What is that command then? The command is love one another qualified as I have loved you, Mm -hmm. love one another in the way that I loved you. Right. So evidently maybe the command is not a general love. The command is give up your life for each other. Mm -hmm. (laughs) sacrifice for each other be right. inconvenienced for one another prefer one another do nothing from selfish ambition or vain mm-hmm. conceit consider others as better than yourselves that maybe is the commandment yeah. love one another how i loved you and how did i love you right uh, lay down my life for my friends and guess yeah. what you are my friends yeah, yeah. So if you do this if you do this guess what you might result it might result in loving one another mm-hmm Oh, so it so seems powerful. that the greatest command is sacrifice, yeah. agape love. Yeah. It's it's self-sacrificial, other preferential. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's so good. That's such a good word. So maybe to wrap up our conversation, what yeah. what uh, what homiletical handles or you know practical uh, illustrations are you kind of mulling over in your head? I know you're preaching through you know first John, but mm-hmm. you know, what sort of things maybe are you going to use for th- this Sunday to make that come alive for your people? I mean, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> that's a good question. I mean, I think if you're continuing from last Sunday, chances are you used the vine as an, as a metaphor, as an image. Mm-hmm. Um, you can continue that um, as the passage is a continuation of that. I think you talk about the, the, the fruit that is born from our abiding. Um, I mean, I think Brene Brown is a great handle there, but I'll, I think everybody should always be reading and quoting Brene Brown at oh, all yeah. times and yes. in all places. <laughs> um, yes. And so that's always going to be something I think is worthy to, to sure. be doing. But I think that conversation of love and belonging Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe asking people uh, to what communities do they belong and how do right. they know they belong there mm-hmm. um, and what it means, what belonging means. Right. Um, do you pay membership dues to the Elks or whatever it is? Like who knows, right? Like, but right. how do you know that you belong? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is a question that needs to be asked because abiding is so present here. Right. Right. Um. You could ask people what type of sacrifices they've received from others. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things I think is helpful for people to recognize the truth of the scriptures is not to ask them how they've been in the position of the one doing the right thing, but how they've been the recipient of the right mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. How have you experienced sacrifice from others in a way that let you know you are worthy of love and belonging? That's so good. How have you experienced that? Yeah. Um, and then remind them that that's how Christ, that, that is Christ in them. Mm-hmm. And that if you've received that, then perhaps you can do that. Right. Oh, um, that's so good. That's so, so put good. them in the, in the place of being receivers of that love and belonging. Yeah. What about you? What about you, Ben? Well, the, I love, I love that. That's definitely going to shape, you know, and have me rethink a few things, but the, the, 
picture I've been pursuing with, with the vine and the branches is that, you know, we, we call the cross a tree in many ways that he died Mm. upon a tree and that Mm -hmm. Christ's sacrifice, that love was literally the first fruit that was born on that tree. Mm -hmm. Um, And so if we are wanting to abide in the vine, that's what the fruit looks like that Christ produced in the world. You know, that is the greatest revelation of God's, the fruit of God's love in the world. And so if we want to abide in that life, then how are we looking to emulate and reflect that fruit? Um, And it, and it can't be done by mongering power and hoarding power and withholding power and, you know, using power as a condition to be met before love and belonging is is given. It's, it's the other way around, you know, while we were yet in sin, unworthy of, of grace and belonging, this was the fruit that God, that God bore in the world. And so I'll be hoping to, to work with that metaphor and then asking that recipient question, when were you the recipient of that? The cross Mm. was the first place. (laughs) Um, And, and how does that, that shape the fruit that we bear. Right. Yeah. One other thing thought I had was uh, everybody should go watch Ted Lasso as soon as possible Hmm. on uh, Apple TV plus the best TV show you will ever watch about leadership um, and about service. Yes, absolutely. Everybody needs to watch it. Ted Lasso. It's on Apple TV plus it's definitely worth the five bucks a month to watch that show. Then cancel your subscription after you've watched it four times um, that month, (laughs) which you could easily do. Um, but it's, I mean, Ted Lasso is an example of sacrificial leadership about eliminating the power differential, Mm. um, between a leader and those that he is leading. Um, and it's just a, it's a beautiful image of what it means to be a, uh, someone who says, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. Um, and the way that he interacts with his staff, the way that he interacts with his players, it's about a coach, um, it's about an American football coach who gets hired to go coach English football. Mm. Um, and he knows, he, he knows American football and he gets hired to, to coach a premier league football team, soccer team. Um, and so it's a, it's hilarious. Uh, it's Jason Sudeikis and he's wonderful. Wow. Um, but yeah, there's a, there's a, a million images in that series for this power differential wow. uh, and service. Wow. That's amazing. Well, yeah, you sold me. I found, sounds like I found a new TV show. Well, thanks everyone for joining us uh, today. We are so thankful to be able to be a part, uh, at least a small part and partnership in your work of bringing the word to your people. Uh, give us the feedback that you, where you are in this season, um, what you're working through with your people. It always helps us to really cater the podcast to be uh, what you need it to be uh, in episodes ahead um, give us, give us your feedback and Danny, it's just a pleasure to have you on the, on the podcast today. Yeah. Great to, great to chat with you, Ben. Yeah. We'll see you all next week. Preach boldly. We are, are praying for you. Walk in the peace. Amen. Amen.